Hey, what's going on everyone? It's me, Mr. Mario, and welcome back to another episode of Mod Chat. This is episode 65, and in case you do not know, Mod Chat is a podcast I try and do at least once a month in which I talk about a few different topics in the modding world that I might find interesting and hopefully you all find interesting as well too. So this is available in two different formats. It's available on my YouTube channel, Mr. Mario 2011, in a visual form. But because this is a podcast, I do want to make sure it is consumable as a podcast, audio only. So if you look up Mod Chat on many of your favorite podcasting sites, platforms, what have you, you should be able to find it pretty easily from there and consume this, well, like an actual podcast. So I do want to preface this by saying a few things. First of all, this is actually going in the place of a regular video upload. And funny enough, that was supposed to be a more lighthearted, funny video. I even ironically thanked Nintendo in there as well too. Not ironically, like I, I really didn't mean it. I'm just saying with the news here. And I'm still going to be releasing that video. I'm not giving a hint of it right now, but it, it, it's still relevant. I still want to talk about it. I still want to put the video out there. It's just going to be a bit delayed. But that's why this is going to up in its place on a Saturday here. Uh, on top of that, this is still a story that is going to be developing for, I'm sure, months and maybe even years to come. Uh, this news was just announced today, October 2nd. I'm currently recording it in the evening, and this will be going out someday in the, well, on, on October 3rd, someday during the day. So... I will also say here, this is not clickbait at all. Uh, what you're seeing in the title is accurate. This could very well be the downfall and the fall of Team Executor. And I put a question mark in there because, I mean, I, I don't want to make a complete statement, but is it the fall? It, it certainly could be. Let's go ahead and jump into this here. There's only about two things I'm going to talk about in this episode, but it's going to be pretty lengthy, so let's just get into it. So I will tell you, we are going to be starting this off uh, on a very bad foot if you are a fan of Team Executor. This is actually official. It's been released today. This is from the United States Department of Justice from their website here. It's all public at the moment. I mean, it still will be, of course. But it starts off here saying two leaders of one of the world's most notorious video game piracy groups, Team Executor, have been arrested and are in custody facing charges filed in U.S. District Court in Seattle. Now, the full link is going to be down below in the description on the YouTube upload, so there's going to be some details I'm going to be skipping over because we're not going to go over every single little thing with a fine-tooth comb here, uh, but if you want to check out this more detailed, you know, release, you're more than welcome to. There were three people here, Max Lauren, uh, I don't know how to pronounce this name, so let's say Mr. Chen, as well as Gary Bowser. Uh, it says here they were all charged in a federal indictment unsealed today. The indictment alleges the defendants were leaders of a criminal enterprise that developed and sold illegal devices that hacked popular video game consoles so they could be used to play unauthorized or pirated copies of games. The enterprise targeted popular consoles such as the Nintendo Switch, the Nintendo 3DS, the Nintendo Entertainment System Classic Edition, the Sony PlayStation Classic, and the original Xbox. These defendants were allegedly leaders of a notorious international criminal group that reaped illegal profits for years by pirating video game technology of U.S. companies, said Acting Assistant Attorney General Brian C. Rabbit of the Justice Department's Criminal Division. 
These arrests show that the department will hold accountable hackers who seek to commandeer and exploit the intellectual property of American companies for financial gain, no matter where they may be located. And that's important because you'll see right here, Max was from France, uh, Mr. Chin was from China, and Gary was from, let's see, he's a Canadian national and he was living in the Dominican Republic. So these were worldwide. That's actually one thing that I had heard several times. Uh, just over the years and even as of recently, people were saying, well, wait, isn't Team Executor based out of China or just Asia in general? Like, they can't get caught, right? Now here, this is even more interesting because it actually confirms a few things that people have been talking about and have just kind of rumored and been very, very close coincidences for a while. But let's just read this part here. The indictment alleges that due to the illegal nature of its business, Team Executor continuously sought to evade enforcement efforts by victim companies, financial institutions, and law enforcement. Notably, Team Executor attempted to protect its overall business by using a wide variety of brands, websites, and distribution channels, according to the indictment. From approximately June 2013, I'm going to get back to that, through August 2020, Team Executor used a variety of product names for its devices, such as Gateway 3DS, this is what I'm talking about here, Gateway 3DS, the Stargate, the True Blue Mini, the Classic to Magic, and the SX line of devices that included the SXOS, the SX Pro, the SX Lite, and the SX Core. So let's just break this down here real quick. I'm actually going to go backwards. Of course, we're talking about SXOS because that's been their mainstay at this point. But there's also the SX Pro, which is, you know, the dongle for the original Switch, the V1 models that are unpatched. SX Lite and SX Core, which are the internal chips you can install. Now, these other ones are different. The Classic to Magic, that is actually a... USB device. I'll actually pull it up on here. The Classic to Magic is actually for the Super Nintendo Mini or the Super Nintendo Classic. And this is actually a device where can I even bring up photos on here? I want to show something. It looks a little something like this, like anything of what there's there's not really any good photos, damn. Uh, but either way, it's a little device that you end up plugging into a Super Nintendo Classic and you're able to take original cartridges and plop them in and you load those cartridges it dumps the rom so it kind of acts as a glorified rom dumper but really what you're able to do is you're able to take a super nintendo cartridge or a super famicom cartridge plug it into a super nintendo classic and dump the rom from your original cart and play it on your super nintendo classic and there's also a usb drive in there which allows you to not only dump roms to it but you can even load ROMs to the USB drive and load them up through the Classic 2 Magic on your Super Nintendo Classic. I, I know that's a lot, but uh, this is a really different device that was super clean looking and such, and I didn't even know this was from Team Executor, but yes, this was something that was from Team Executor. Going back here, the True Blue Mini, which this... <laughs> I knew this was going to get someone in trouble. I absolutely knew it. Let's, let's go over that as well, too. I have been extremely against these uh, for a few reasons, but essentially, in case you don't know what these are, uh, there's a few of them. There's one for the C64, C64 Mini. There's a few for the PlayStation. There's one for the Genesis. Oh, Classic to Magic. That's the one right here. Now, in case you do not know, these are... USB drives, which you can take and you can hook up to any of these mini systems and you add a bunch of ROMs that way. Uh, the thing is on here, I think the Genesis, 
I think it was using something more proprietary uh, simply because at the time uh, this was released, there was nothing that was public, like no public projects to add more games to the Sega Genesis or Mega Drive Mini. But for the PlayStation version of the True Blue Classic, I know for a fact that actually has a older build of BleemSync on there. And the C64 or C64 Mini also uses some free open source software that adds more games to it. Now, the problem I have, aside from just, you know, taking free open source software like that, that people have worked hard on, they've released for free, and then putting it in here. Uh, the other thing, and this is why I said I knew this is going to get someone in trouble, uh, these all came preloaded with games. In case you're not reading the screen here, I mean, the PlayStation is maybe the best one here that, to explain, or even, you know what, let, let's just look at PlayStation and Genesis. So for the PlayStation, several amazing game compilations for your PSX Classic from 50 to 200 games in each pack. Plug and play, support, supply, that's fine, but it comes with a bunch of games. And for the Genesis, a unique True Blue stick with the ultimate collection of 813 games for your Genesis Mega Drive Mini, quick install computer required, and unlimited retro gameplay. I've spoke, I've ranted about this on Twitter, I'm sure. I've ranted about it to some friends. I've actually ranted about at least the True Blue Mini here on Matcha on a previous episode when they used to be live streamed. However, again, I, I knew the final thing, and I'll move on here, uh, the, the final reason why I knew this was going to get someone in trouble uh, is because you could buy these things on Amazon. Uh, just like clear as day you could you could go to Amazon you could buy at least the PlayStation one you could end up just buying that and get it shipped to your house within you know same day or two or three days like it was it was just it was way out in the open and yeah these are all products that were from Team Executor which we now have confirmed and last but not least here I'm gonna group these two together Gateway 3DS and Stargate now in case you do not know Gateway 3DS was the first flash cart that was in you know for the 3DS itself and it was notorious for many things. Support kind of dropped on it pretty early on. At the beginning, it was really only for games and nothing else, only games. So, you know, a little bit nefarious there. Uh, but on top of that as well, too, uh, they stopped supporting it. And there was also the brick, like the brickway meme, uh, where at one point the Gateway 3DS was actually breaking devices. That's a whole other thing I can get into. But it pretty much came back as Stargate in a way. And... I believe Stargate also did some stuff related to the Switch, but it was all short-lived. But what I'm saying here is all of these brands that I've been talking about, that has all been Team Executor, and we have uh, harder confirmation on it now. I, I guess I do need to say allegedly on this, but I, I mean, they've it it's one of those things, this has been rumored, this has been kind of linked together just for a while, but this is a much, much harder confirmation of it now. Team Executor at times cloaked its illegal activity with a purported desire to support gaming enthusiasts who want to design their own video games for non-commercial use. However, the overwhelming demand and use for the Enterprise's devices was to play pirated video games. To support this illegal activity, Team Executor allegedly helped create and support online libraries of pirated video games for its customers. And several of the Enterprise's devices came preloaded with numerous pirated video games. So I'm sure that's... Uh, I'll get into the libraries here. In short, even if I forget to get to that point, it is alleged in the document itself that there were a lot of old ROM packs and such that were available on uh, Max console. And that's another thing that's involved in this. And then the preloaded stuff, yeah, that was talking about... Uh, some of the, like the True Blue Mini, those devices, uh, but also, 
some of the mod shops as well too, and we'll get into that as well. According to the indictment, Team Executor was so brazen that it even required customers to purchase a license to unlock the full features of its custom firmware, the SXOS, in order to enable the ability to play pirated video games. And that is true. You can technically download and use SXOS for free, but until you license it, which you have to pay for, you are not able to play actual games. Like, you cannot play your XCI files. Now, this is what we're getting into here. Uh, the each defendant is charged with 11 felony counts, including conspiracy to commit wire fraud, wire fraud, conspiracy to circumvent technological measures and to traffic in circumvention devices, trafficking in circumvention devices, and conspiracy to commit money laundering. So this is, <laughs> there's a lot more to it than meets the eye here. But also keep in mind the charges in this indictment are merely allegations and the defendants are presumed innocent until proven guilty beyond a reasonable doubt in a court of law. So I do want to say here, I did want to mention this because this is going to be something that I was planning on talking about, but just a few days ago on September 30th, this is actually in regards to a story that I had covered months ago in which I had talked about there were two cases that were opened up, two lawsuits. One of them was against Uber Chips, which was a company which was only taking pre-orders for SX Core and SX Lite, and another one was a more conglomerate lawsuit against eight different uh, mod shops, like mod shop retailers that were selling SXOS, SX Core pre-orders, SX Lite pre-orders. Uh, they were also selling SD cards preloaded with games as well, too, for premium. So, I mean, I've talked about it in that previous episode. But on here, one of those, at least the Uber Chips one, it is coming to a head here because they decided to settle out of court. And I'll just keep this short because it does kind of wrap into the other one. It's just all of this has happened this week here. But it is mentioning in this Torrent Freak article Nintendo has come to an agreement with Uberchips.com, an online store. It sued for offering Team Executors Switch hacks and chips. Ohio-based Uberchips.com and its operator agreed to a $2 million judgment. The consent agreement, which has yet to be signed by a judge, also requires the store to destroy all remaining stock. So in here, it really kind of talks about what was brought up before, and in short, it talks a little bit about SXOS and, you know, the, <laughs> the fights that they've been having on here. It brings up that Nintendo was suing Uber Chips, and again, they did two lawsuits at the same time. One of them was only for Uber Chips, which again, all they were doing, this is a brand new business that came up, and they only sold pre-orders for the SX Core and SX Lite. To be honest, I don't even think they had the stock in hand. Because if they had the stock in hand, they would have just sold it. But it, it, that, was, that was a spooky one. That was absolutely spooky. This is a pretty short one here, but here it is mentioned. Plaintiff is hereby awarded judgment against all defendants jointly and severally in the amount of $2 million. Now, one thing that many, many, many people have talked about is they said that this could be a on-paper number, and that is honestly what happens a lot of the time with these settlements. There will be a huge number to kind of cite and scare people and use them as an example, and I still believe that Uber Chips was really made an example of because I believe the owner who went under the name Game Over I believe he was at least a team executor moderator, if not an admin. So I had said it back then, I'm going to say it now, this was very much to send a message. They singled him out, now he ended up coming to an agreement because he responded, he was going through an attorney and such, but 
man so going back to the two million here we don't know and that is not going to be released on paper publicly this is two million but a lot of times that it might not be even close to getting paid what is there i'm thinking of several of the lawsuits that were opened and settled in the early 2000s in regards to music piracy and movie piracy if you look back on those, and we're going back about 15, 20 years ago, I mean, people were trying to settle for a hundred, two hundred, three hundred thousand dollars, something like that, and many people did not pay those, and many people even just paid maybe like a little bit, or the number just kept going down and down and down and down. And what I'm saying is, the associations that went after individual parties, not big site owners, but individual parties for just downloading an MP3 or downloading a movie, um, they they did not get the money that they agreed to for the most part. So. I'm not sure what's happening here in regards to a real number, so to speak. For all intents and purposes, it is 2 million, but is it really 2 million? We're not going to know. That's even mentioned here. It is not uncommon for settlements to be higher on paper than they are in reality. We can't say whether that's the case here, but considering the scale of the award, it's certainly possible. The last thing that's mentioned in regards to Uber chips is this says that both parties agreed on prohibits the site owner from trafficking in any circumvention devices, including SX Pro, SX Core, and SX Lite. It's interesting. I'm not looking at the actual documents. Interesting. SXOS isn't sent there, but I'm I'm sure it, I'm sure it is. Infringing Nintendo's copyrights in any other way is not an option either, and all remaining stock must be destroyed. Actually, here it is. All right. The seizure, impoundment, and or destruction of all circumvention devices, all copies of SXOS, so yep, that's it. Now the last thing I wanted to mention here was at the end of this case, at the end of this article, it's saying lawsuit against eight other stores is still ongoing, and saying here a separate case filed against eight presumably foreign site owners remains ongoing. And there are links to that, and I'll actually get to that here. I'm pulling up another Torrent Freak article, which was from earlier this year, which we covered in a Mod Chat episode, talking about Nintendo sues stores selling new Team Executor Switch Piracy Hack, which in case you don't know, was the SX Core and SX Lite. That's when they were selling the pre-orders of it. So if we end up going down here, it talks a lot about Uber chips, but here's the websites. ANX Chip, Axio Game, Flashcard A, Mod 3DS Cards, NX Card, SX Flashcard, TX Switch, and USA Chips, which are all accused of selling circumvention devices. I want to focus in on this one, Axiogame.com. I want you all to keep that in mind, and we're going to go back to the big news of Team Executor. In fact, we're actually going to be looking at the legal document itself. Now, I'm not going to go through every single thing on there. We're not going to have time for that. Uh, I will also say that I'm just kind of going to be skimming this for the most part, and I am also not a lawyer, so you know, take that what you will on here. But it is available on the original link here, and we can take a look at this. So looking at this here, we got this against Max. I, I, I you know, I'm going to try and say, it. I think Wanning Chin, as well as Gary Bowser. And I'm sure many people are going to see Gary OPA. And if you've been in the scene, if you followed things, especially on Max console or, you know, GBA temp, other websites, even the team executor site, I'm sure that is an extremely familiar name to you. Now, here we go. We're going to jump right into this. The defendants, Max, Wanning, and Gary and others known and unknown to the grand jury were part of a financially motivated hacking group that ran a criminal enterprise that developed, manufactured, marketed, and sold a wide variety of circumvention devices. And you remember that website I had you all list? Like, remember here, we're going to bring it back into play. The enterprise used various names and brands, including, among others, Team Executor, Axiogame.com, MaxConsole.com, 
and China distribution to facilitate the sale of the circumvention devices. Now, again, I've skimmed this prior, but from what I'm understanding on here, so all of these were like all three of the people who are being indicted on this um, have links to all of these here. So just to break this down real quick as well, Team Executor, that's of course the team that we're talking about that works on SXOS and such and these other devices. Axiogame.com is a mod shop retailer where you can buy these devices from. MaxConsole.com was a new site and allegedly, it's actually mentioned down here, I believe, to facilitate the sales of their circumvention devices, the enterprise supported and promoted online ROM repositories. And that's actually uh, allegedly linked to maxconsole.com, which I, I did not know about. And China Distribution is the distribution network and manufacturing place that Maybe not even manufacture, I just know that they were the ones who were doing the initial distributions for all of these devices. Now here we go in more detail, it's stating that Max was a leader of the enterprise who recruited investors and exploit developers, made strategic business decisions, finalized product design, and financed products. Max, I, I'm only going to use their first names here, uh, played a critical role in establishing wholesale distribution chains and linking the enterprise's manufacturer with various resellers around the world. Max also oversaw the development and administration of at least one of these resellers, an online Machip marketplace called Axiogame. There it is. Wanning provided financing and strategic guidance for the development of the enterprise's circumvention devices. Wanning oversaw the management of a manufacturing and distribution company called China Distribution, aka China Distrib, that held itself out as the official wholesale distributor of many of these circumvention devices. In addition, the enterprise held Wanning out as the public operator of Axiogame.com. And finally, Defendant Gary was also responsible for developing circumvention devices and marketing those devices. Gary was the administrator of multiple websites operated by the enterprise, including a website called MaxConsole.com, which served as a central location for the enterprise to introduce reviews, advertisements, and support forms for circumvention devices and the resellers who were selling the devices in various countries. Now, I'm not sure if I've mentioned it until now, but I do want to say this is, this is big. This is big, all right? This is really big right here. And I'm going to get to my thoughts, you know, by by the end of this. I'm going to keep interjecting here, of course. So that that cannot be understated at all how, how big of a thing this is. Because I personally, I've seen resellers get targeted. Like, we, we've seen it recently. We've seen it for years. I've never seen the actual team. And mind you, this is not the original team executor, and that's another point that I want to touch up on, and that's important when it comes to the dates on here, as I've mentioned. We're actually going to get into the team executor branding at this point, what they're talking about, and one thing that's really important to note is I know this was primarily Nintendo's push. Like, it has to be from, especially from, you know, SX Core and SX Lite. I know Nintendo was absolutely not happy about that. They went after Team Executor and their resellers harder than they ever did. Uh, plus, Team Executor, at least in my mind, they're more... I more associated them to their roots, which is the Xbox and the Xbox 360. Now, they were sold at one point, and they were sold around the, you know, the Xbox 360 era and still did some stuff before the sale and after the sale for the Xbox 360. But one thing to note, if you look at this here, aside from talking about their roots and maybe one or two mentions of something sp supposedly for the Xbox One, there's no mention of the Xbox 360 or the original Xbox, aside from those other ones. It is mostly, 
mostly, I'd say like at least 90% Nintendo right here, like related to the Switch. And they also bring up the mini consoles as well, because those are new devices that came out in the last two years. Uh, but it is mostly the Switch at this point. Right here, it's saying, beginning at a time unknown, but no later than June 2015, the defendants and their co-conspirators operated a significant portion of their illegal enterprise under the Team Executor brand. Team Executor held itself out as a legitimate company that had broken from a dubious past. The group had a prominent presence online and operated a public website entitled Team Executor Rocking the Video Gaming Console Scene Since 2002. The group aggressively advertised its products on various online forums and in YouTube videos. And it's stating here, it's talking about the About Us section of the Team Executor site saying that it's been involved in the development of circumvention devices since 2001. And actually, this is one of the very small mentions of Xbox here. Team Executor have developed hardware and software for the Xbox scene since 2001. The initial roots of the group were based on the Xbox homebrew hacking scene. However, where we started as a small group of hardcore enthusiasts dealing with extremely gray market products, we've now grown into a large electronic manufacturer that develops products for many companies around the world. And here we go. We are now getting into the portion with Nintendo stuff. Beginning in May 2018, the Enterprise began releasing a family of Team Executor branded hardware devices for use on the Nintendo Switch video game console. These devices were designed to run a custom operating system called S. SXOS, together with the hardware device and operating system, circumvented the technological measures on the Nintendo Switch and permitted users to, among other things, access and manipulate the copyrighted Nintendo Switch operating system and play pirated ROMs. Now again, I'm skipping over a lot of this here, but it does mention and go into more detail about the SX Pro kit, which says it consisted of the Executor Jig and the Executor Dongle, and this just talks about how to utilize this, which I'm sure many people are familiar with. I thought this was interesting here, they added in the irony of a hacking group such as Team Executor using a licensing scheme to protect its circumvention software from being pirated was not lost on the gaming community. On June 28, 2018, the website Ars Technica published an article titled Pirates Battling Pirates. Switch pirates don't want you to pirate their piracy-enabling firmware. The article indicated that a representative of Team Executor defended the use of the licensing scheme as a harmless cat-and-mouse game between aspiring hackers and competing teams. Apparently, the Team Executor representative further explained that we do implement inconveniences to safeguard anti-tampering of our SXOS boot file to remain at a competitive advantage. And it was here as well on July 31st, 2018, some investigators ended up purchasing a SX Pro mod kit from SwitchSX.com, which I actually had to double check here, and it looks like that's not on any of the uh, websites that are listed in that original, like, eight uh, eight website, eight website lawsuit is what I'm saying, and that's actually not mentioned in here, so interesting. So it looks like SwitchSX.com was not being sued, at least to my knowledge, but either way, uh, they ended up purchasing it from there, and the mod ship was subsequently shipped, and then they were able to utilize it. And then on March 13th, 2020, they ended up installing SXOS from a different reseller, but they did not mention what the reseller was. And they talk a little bit about the activation process here. And they do this because uh, later on they do talk about which IPs and where everything was being connected to and where the network traffic was going and such during this licensing process. And here we go, we're getting into some newer stuff. So Nintendo undertook various efforts in response to the Enterprise's release of the SX Pro and SXOS. In response, Team Executor released new devices or updated the Enterprise's software to permit further circumvention. 
For example, in or around June 2018, Nintendo released a new version of the Nintendo Switch with updated technological measures to prevent the console from being hacked by the SX Pro and SX OS. Furthermore, in or around September 2019, Nintendo released a new console, the Nintendo Switch Lite, that was produced with the updated technological measures to, among other things, address circumvention devices such as the SX Pro and SX OS. On or about December 28th, 2019, the Enterprise responded by announcing the development of new circumvention devices, posting a video to their blog, TeamExecutor.com, showing the SXOS purportedly running on the Nintendo Switch Lite. And here, in around April 2020, the Enterprise announced that they would begin accepting pre-orders for new circumvention devices called SX Core and SX Lite. Now check this out, we're now at the China distribution part here, and this is actually, we're going to see more familiar names that if you've been in the modding scene, you might be seeing this here. Uh, but right here, for example, so China Distribution, aka China Distrib, was the entity that the Enterprise used to distribute the Enterprise's circumvention devices. Max played a central role in managing wholesale relationships and responding to customer complaints. Now here, the Enterprise periodically circulated digital newsletters describing new products and updates to existing products. For example, on or about April 3rd, 2018, the Enterprise circulated a newsletter indicating that China Distribution would be taking pre-orders for the for SX Pro SX Lite on here. Now, it's also stating here in the newsletter, beware of clones slash cheap copies. China Distrib is the only distributor that guarantees that all its products come directly from the manufacturer. The newsletter also indicated that China Distribution was the official distributor for the following products. Into slash Amico, Stargate 3DS, Team Executor, Cobra, Gateway, Coscosta, uh, Cosaseda, uh, I, I, I believe, maybe? Hmm. I've actually never heard of that one. I haven't said it out loud before, obviously. E3, Maximus, Progskeet, Swap Magic, Woad, that was the Wii optical drive emulator, and many more. Now, it's not just this stuff. When we were talking about some of the other things that were going on, uh, they, they end up fudging some things on custom form. So when, when you send off something, you do have to declare it properly. But here, for example, on customs declarations, forms for shipments, the enterprise would regularly use false merchandise descriptions, tariff classifications, and value descriptions to evade detection. For example, on or about June 15th, 2018, Max sent an email to Chin, uh, I don't remember his first name here at this point, uh, regarding the shipment of a thousand units of the SX Pro circumvention device to a reseller based in Cyprus. Max indicated that Chin should declare a subsequent shipment of the device as a memory card adapter at a value of 20 cents each. And for some of the other things they did, of course here they're talking about Gateway 3DS. On or about June 2013, the Enterprise began marketing and distributing circ a circumvention device called the Gateway 3DS that was designed to allow purchasers to play pirate ROMs on the Nintendo 3DS. And it talks a little bit about this here. They also, of course, mentioned Stargate, which this was in about August of 2017. The True Blue Mini, it does mention this talking about the PlayStation Classic console. This is again in 2018. And there were many others as well, too. I'm kind of just skipping through this for now because, you know, we've, we've talked about it. But in short, it's just describing this and then it's saying that they did buy these as evidence. Classic to Magic is also mentioned here. We talked about that earlier. Th this I actually do want to single out because this is a little bit funny to me right here. So first they're saying that they wanted, you know, general favorable coverage and to promote the device's legitimacy, which this does, like the Classic to Magic seems like the cleanest device 
so to speak, out of all of these. But Bowser here, Gary, he's saying, since this product is both legit and gray area, we are hoping this extra advanced push with videos of people talking and demoing it its great range of users, it will help to get more resellers on board and news coverage on big sites like Engadget and IGN. And paperwork for selling it via Amazon also is ongoing. However, right here, and I always thought this was odd, but now you know that we have the connection, it makes more sense. In about December of 2019, it was announced that the Classic to Magic had a new feature that would allow users to connect the Classic to Magic to the Nintendo Switch. And it's stating here, you can connect it to the Switch. The only requirement is that your Nintendo Switch has Team Executor's SXOS installed for USB support. I mean, that's the reason they put right there, but it's interesting now that we see these are both from the same company, you know, supposedly, allegedly on here, and that's why there was kind of that exclusivity. And I'm not really sure why on this, like, they would purchase, like, one or two of the others, but on February 27th, 2020, uh, they ended up purchasing 15 Classic to Magics. Now, getting near the end here, there's a section called Overt Acts, which, uh, that's just more like uh, communication and such that were happening between the three people talking here as well as with you know outsiders or between themselves uh, but there's just a few that I want to highlight that might be a bit interesting to people listening one of them here being on or about December 28th 2017 Bowser sent Lauren I'm just going to use their <laughs> whatever's listed here uh, an email stating in regard to the Xbox One project Everything is in place. Now we need you on board to discuss money, etc. So that is one of the rare mentions of Xboxes in general, and there was some kind of Xbox One project. Also here, it's mentioning that they were planning to make a clone Super Nintendo classic, essentially. And it's even mentioned from a direct quote, keep the style of the original SNES Mini Classic, but different fonts or enough different so Nintendo does not complain. <laughs> and here we go, when we were talking about the ROM packs, I did mention earlier I was going to come back to this, and it's mentioned here on or about August 18th, 2018, Bowser sent an update regarding the Classic to Magic device. Specifically, Bowser noted, I am going to be busy setting up the underground stuff, ROM packs, cover arts, emulators on Max console forms that will also help on gray side of the device for those wishing to play more than original SNES cartridges. That I, I actually, I had no idea of. I did not, I've always like, I, I have occasionally gone to Max console, like I've known of them for years and I always knew them as a news aggregate site, uh, but I honestly did not know they hosted any of the ROMs on there. And again, it's even mentioned here, uh, I believe this is from Gary, yes. They have been trying hard to crack down on everything, removing ROMs from various sites which devices like Classic to Magic need, but we have a plan in the works to have secure links to these retro ROM packs on a protected server, so it will not be a problem. And yeah, I mean, this is, you know, mid to late 2018, around that time when Nintendo was going after several big ROM sites, if you all remember this. I also really had to bring this up, there's just little kind of parts I keep bringing up here that are of interest to me. Uh, but here, Bowser also explained that Team Executor was working to add a feature to the SXOS that would allow users to play ROMs for older consoles on the Switch. And I do remember this announcement, actually. Uh, it says here, next up on the roadmap of updates to SXOS is version 1.7. This one will include something called Retro SX, basically core emulators of other older consoles, Nintendo, Super Nintendo, Game Boy, DS, etc. So you'll be able to play backup ROMs of older Nintendo games and later on some other older consoles. This will be exclusive to SXOS, which again, like the cheats above, will keep the marketplace open for more sales of license keys. 
and that, that was all within an email here. But it's also stating that on about October 2015, Bowser reported that the Retro SX project blew up in our face because the developer who had paid, who had been paid to work on the project had sent his work to a rival hacking group. Uh, this, this, I actually, I, I wanted to point it out because I'll show you all this right here. This was actually on Twitter and, and I slightly remember this, but this was pointed out, just like came across my timeline here. So I do remember this original tweet. This is from LibRetro and it says, by the way, guys, a fun story to pass the time until 1.7.5 drops. They're talking about RetroArch. Team Executor wanted to bribe one of the RetroNX developers into stopping work on their project and to make this OpenGL enabled build of RetroArch exclusive to their hardware. Unfortunately for them, M4XW sided with us. And that was tweeted on October 1st, 2018, in which this user here, WarnVod, said, Congrats, M4XW, for making Gary OPA so mad that it made its way to the indictment. To which M4XW replied and said, It's still BS as money has never been exchanged. And since when is Lib Retro a hacking group? So it seems like there are some inconsistencies in this document. So that's why also it's important to have allegedly on here because there could be things that, you know, aren't completely true or aren't completely correct on here. But I, I do remember this tweet going out and I'm happy that this kind of came back across my timeline. Here, this is actually two in one. So on September 13th, 2018, Bowser sent an email detailing the Conspiracy's development of a variety of circumvention devices, including SXOS, SX Gear, and the classic to Magic. In case you don't know, SX Gear was only a payload injector, and that was it. It was only a payload injector. But Bowser explained that the conspiracy was developing a project entitled 701, which would be their own version of the Nintendo's SNES Mini, but would have 700 games pre-installed. And they also explained here that they plan to develop a circumvention device for Microsoft's Xbox One console. I think this is the only, this is the last mention of the Xbox family here. But it says here, the last big console that really does not have anything for it is, of course, Xbox One. It's been on the back burner for a while, but now with Switch basically completed and sales moving along, it is time to bring this back into focus and build up a solid, tight team that can handle it. Now, looking at some of the counts here as well for trafficking and circumvention devices, which is what's mentioned here. There's seven, well, seven, eight, nine, and 10 for Gateway, Stargate, SXOS, SX Pro, as well as Classic 2 Magic. So these are the approximate dates it's putting out here. And it's pretty much from June 13th, well, June 2013, excuse me, all the way up until, you know, August 19th when this is filed. So, you know, August 2020 at this point. But that is important because that is June 2013. And I just want to highlight another thing as well, too. We're actually going on to the team executor forums, but I'm actually going to reference a really old thread right here in regards to Light Touch Ultimate firmware and PCB for the Xbox 360. Now, this isn't super, super important here. It was cool and it worked out well enough. However, however, if we scroll down here a bit, I need to find the other post right here. Uh, Team Executor was saying, or Executor himself was saying this, uh, this clears up a lot of things and would have saved about 35 pages of drama if it was done the first time. Thanks. But then he replied, it's called a teaser. If we didn't have so many other teams stealing our work all the time, we would release info much sooner. Got to keep things interesting, though. Plus, it weeds out all the assholes and easier to just delete their accounts. Anyways, this is just the first of it. We have a lot more new stuff coming. 
this is my last batch of products as I'm quitting the scene after Christmas and I want to go out with a bang. And I do actually remember covering this. In fact, I have an old video that I was covering, you know, Executor retiring here. But yeah, no, in short, the actual person behind this team, Execu like Executor himself from Team Executor, ended up retiring in, I believe, 2013. And from what we know... This was at the point where the site and everything related to Team Executor was sold off. So that is why I wanted you all to, you know, keep that in mind. We've had a whole lot of things confirmed here. Pretty much Gateway Team is the same team that was working on SXOS. So, you know, they're the same. Gateway is the same as Stargate. And this is... The oldest this goes, aside from talking about the history of Team Executor, is June 2013, which I'm willing to bet there that's probably when Team Executor officially changed hands. And even if you need more from that, it was clarified further where somebody was asking, you're quitting, oh no, how calm if you don't mind me asking. The original, I'm talking about Executor himself, like the person, the former person formerly known as Executor, they said, old and tired, real life job and real life work taking over. I did announce this would be my last year a while ago. Uh, will that effectively be the end of Team Executor products. They said it's a large team, many younger members with more energy than me. Team Executors weigh more than one person. And I mean, th that's about it in regards to this here. Now, there's also a count of conspiracy to commit money laundering. And I mean, this is, this is serious stuff, you all. This is serious stuff here. <laughs> So now at this point, I'm just going to talk with you all directly here, kind of my thoughts on this and such, and you know, what this could mean and a few other things. Uh, so it might get a little bit rambly, but uh, it, first of all, right off the bat, I'm tired. Uh, <laughs> had a bit of a long day today, ended up reading this, was tiring, ended up having a cup of coffee, started working on this video here, and I'm tired again, but, but I'll do the best I can to, you know, kind of work through this here. First of all, even though this isn't like straight up Nintendo, like for example, all the other lawsuits that we have seen prior to this, because those were, you know, cease and desist orders, that was suing, and that was all Nintendo, but an actual arrest, I mean, this is the government right here that is doing that. That is that is different. But I have no doubt that this had a large push from Nintendo and there was a lot of help from Nintendo as well too on this. Especially with getting all the details of, you know, the revisions and when things were changed and all of that. Plus we've gone through I mean a good chunk of it there I would say. And you all heard and you all saw that a lot of this was Nintendo. An overwhelming amount of it was Nintendo. An overwhelming amount of this document was SXOS related, and much more of it seemed to be related to SX Core and SX Lite. <laughs> so I I have I have no doubts on that. That it was it was really a, a big push and a lot of help from there. I do want to talk about this real quick as well too. SXOS, the thing that we've been talking about. Not only SXOS, but let's just scroll and we can look at the products right here. You know, we were talking about the SX Pro, the SX Core, the SX Lite, of course, SXOS right here. All of this stuff. Uh, I, I think this is game over for SXOS at this point. Now, I know that the people who have been arrested are not the main developers behind this, um, simply because they were the ones who were doing all the high-level stuff from what I've observed on here. Um, so that's not to say that development cannot continue without this, but what I'm thinking is I don't... I'd be shocked if there was another SXOS update. Uh, I would not be surprised if all of the Team Executor and SX-related sites end up going down, such as this. Um, <laughs> I mean, I, 
I certainly don't think it would be a smart move to continue support of this, uh, even though this is currently ongoing and there's allegations here. But, you know, mind you, that's just my thought on it. This could very well also just keeping it real set a major precedent for things going forward. So I know MVG, he made a short video talking about this. Thank you, MVG, for the credit, by the way. I appreciate that. But I know he had kind of said he was just like, you know, Nintendo might be sitting kind of comfortable and knowing that they're probably going to come out on top of this. And he's hoping that the people related to Team Executor, if they're going to fight this, will really have, you know, good lawyers that can, I, I don't know, do do something more positive on here but we'll see what kind of precedent this really sets because essentially this is going to be meaning on here like all of these are labeled as circumvention devices and such and we're talking about the true blue devices we're talking about uh what is it that my brain's slightly fried right now, so because <laughs> of all the tiredness. But we're talking about the True Blue devices. We're talking about SXOS. We're talking about the SX-related devices on here, the classic to Magic. And really, at this point, if Team Executor does lose this this lawsuit here, that would mean that those devices would be deemed as illegal. They are, you know, outlawed. Really, at that point, they are illegal devices. And at that point, if there's anybody else who might be selling that device or even a similar device or a similar operating system that's going to do something like that, that could also be deemed as illegal and it could point to this case right here saying, well, SXOS was deemed as illegal because of all the stuff it did. It was a custom firmware that allowed for XCI mounting and such on here. And your firmware is going to do about the same thing. So obviously it's going to be the same verdict. Now that might be scary to some people, maybe even a lot of people, because they might think of, well, what about the other stuff on Nintendo Switch? For example, you can run Locka, which is a Linux distribution on the Nintendo Switch. You can run Android. Like, I'm on XDA developers right here. This is all out in the open. This is fine. You can run Switch Root Lineage OS. This is, this is the Android port, and it works pretty well. And, of course, we're going to be talking about Atmosphere right here as well, too. The other custom firmware, which is, I mean... In my opinion, this would be the, the, the best custom firmware at this point. Uh, not just because SXOS is probably not going to continue on, uh, but because Atmosphere is pretty much the foundation for SXOS. For anybody that does not know, SXOS is compiled from a few different things. There is some original work that goes on there, uh, but the base of it, uh, a lot of stuff is taken from Atmosphere and it is not credited. And I don't mean they just re-implement it. I mean, like, they, they're actually, they, they take, Atmosphere makes an update, and that, then, you know, SXOS gets the update. And it has the Atmosphere stuff in there. And that's been found multiple times through the uh, unpacking scripts for SX. Now, Atmosphere is different. Uh, first of all, we're on GitHub, and everything here, it's it's clean room, it's open source, it's all out in the open, it's free. Uh, there's no devices that are sold or based around Atmosphere, uh, that, at least, you know, from the official Atmosphere team. Uh, there's none of those devices. On top of that as well, the important thing is, if I take a Nintendo, it's, it's really what this can do. If I take a Nintendo Switch and I it doesn't have any modifications on it and I decide to install and run Atmosphere, I do have the ability to modify games that I legally have 
I do have the ability to run Homebrew as well too, but right out of the box, you cannot install games that do not have a ticket. So, you know, like eShop titles that you don't actually own, you cannot install those. Uh, you cannot play, like you can't even mount an XCI file, which is a cartridge dump. This is strictly for, they're, pretty much what I'm saying right out of the box on Atmosphere, there's no game piracy. There's, there's no room for game piracy on there. You have to add the other stuff in, such as SIG patches, which will allow you to install a NSP of a game that could be, you know, from the eShop that you might have dumped or from a cartridge that you might have dumped, converted to a NSP, what have you on there. Now, one thing I do want to talk about is actually in regards to SXOS, and this has actually been covered by different people who have unpacked it, who have reverse engineered SXOS, who have looked at it further, uh, and unfortunately, there are a few things from it that are packed into that boot.dat file that actually make it illegal to distribute. That's why you'll see on several websites, like several forms and such, they don't allow links to SXOS as this has been found. First of all, this has been for a while. There's actually been many sensitive copyrighted keys that are baked into SXOS. Like these are Nintendo related keys that are baked into SXOS. Um, for anybody who might need, you know, a comparison, that's kind of like when Geohot ended up getting sued by Sony. One of the things was he ended up releasing some very sensitive master keys to the PS3. So imagine keys like that also being circulated around in that boot.dat file. The other thing as well, too, is when it comes to XCI mounting. Now, let me talk about this for a bit. A cartridge right here, uh, when you dump it, you dump it as an XCI file. Now, SXOS is the only Switch custom firmware that allows you to take an XCI file and mount it and then play it. So you just copy and paste the XCI file over to a storage device, and then you're able to load it up by mounting and you're able to play it. You don't have to install it. Other custom firmware such as X, such as Atmosphere with whatever patches you throw in, you have to either install this from the game card or you have to dump the game card, get the XCI over to an NSP file, and then you install it that way. So that's what I'm talking about on there. The point is you, you can't mount XCI files on any other custom firmware. And unfortunately, the reason for that is that it uses Nintendo code to mount those XCI files. That's why it is the only one that's there. It is obfuscated because it's not all open source and complete like Atmosphere is. It is obfuscated, and this was found by reverse engineering efforts on it and unpacking the boot.dat file and finding it there. But that's also why, again it's the only one that has that capability. And we actually saw a similar thing on Gateway. If you all remember, I guess it's Gateway and even the Stargate cartridges. Uh, for the free and open source custom firmware options for the, uh, for the 3DS, you can install the actual files themselves. Uh, you have to take it like any games, any applications, any homebrew, you have to actually install to the 3DS. While as with Stargate and Gateway, they have the same capabilities. They are able to mount files. They're able to mount the 3DS or 3DZ ROMs, depending on what it is, which is a direct cartridge, just a raw cartridge dump right there. So it's that same capability, but again, 
that is because like open source, like Luma 3DS, for example, it's not going to have that option uh, just because I'm sure there is no open source code that is going to be readily available or has been developed for, uh, I guess, 3DS cartridge modding or mounting, excuse me. Oh, and a while ago on Mod Chat, we've talked about it and we'll talk about it here now. A lot of people say it's kind of hypocritical, you know, pirating pirate stuff, but regardless, remember when I said that SXOS does use atmosphere code? Well, it ends up taking atmosphere code and it ends up, you know, bundling it into SXOS and then redistributes it. But there's no license that is bundled at all. Like the actual license for, um, the, the usage license is what I mean for atmosphere. That is not bundled with SXOS, which if you're distributing that project or compiling it or whatever it is, point is you're redistributing that code without giving credit, without bundling the original license that was for it, and that is illegal as well too. Now, is Cyrezim and the team, are they going to go after the team executor team and sue them for this? Most likely not, that's not going to happen, but it has been known for years that atmospheres had their code lifted. I guess if I want people to come away with anything on this, uh, when it comes to any type of other console modifications and such on here, I'm sure you'll see people who, like, of course, you modify your console, you want to run emulators, you want to run unsigned code, you probably want to run game backups as well, too, like actually taking a game you own, backing it up, all that stuff. I'm really not talking about piracy on here. But when it comes down to it, that's why you don't see, like, ROMs or games that are bundled with things like this. That is why people aren't going to bundle keys. You have to get them yourself. That's why they're not going to bundle games. You are responsible for dumping your own stuff that way. Uh, that's why, like... All the stuff here, you know, the open source stuff that is clean room, reverse engineered, uh, not got, not using stuff that's been obtained through nefarious methods or, you know, using other copyrighted code. That is why that has all been important. That's why here, for example, you don't see anything going after atmosphere. The GitHub has stayed up. That's why with other open source projects that are completely out there or relying on things that you have to dump yourself, it, they're fine. They're, they're just fine for the most part. I think here, the real big thing, uh, aside from everything that's in the document, of course, but it's just kind of boiling it down, having a monetized device and having a monetized software that is doing that. And that is something that, from what I see, Nintendo is extremely hypersensitive to. I'm really not trying to defend them with this. I'm, I'm just talking about it here. I'm, I'm not trying to defend any party. I'm, I'm just talking. Some people might, because I've thought of this as well too, some people might also be asking, well, why does Nintendo care so much? Why are they so hypersensitive? And I have thought about it here recently, and this is just my own opinions on here, but Microsoft is huge. They are huge, 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 huge. So I'm sure their Xbox division is small compared to the rest of Microsoft, and I'm sure that the people who are messing with systems are even smaller even smaller, even smaller than that. So there's some stuff they will go after, but some stuff they'll just let slide. We've seen it for years. The same thing with Sony, the exact same thing going on there as well too. However, with Nintendo, yes, I know what I'm about to say. I know that they do have their pockets and other stuff, but Nintendo for the most part is games and gaming hardware. And when you're doing something, when, when those are really the only two things they have and are known for, and you're doing something that is big and easy to use, and you're making money off it, and it's wide scale, and it can be impacting game sales, and it is directly impacting and manipulating their hardware, 
I can see why they're so upset, because you're pretty much trying to mess with everything they have at that point. This was a long episode. I'm tired. I was originally tired when I was starting this. I'm tired again. <laughs> But oh man, this was, this is definitely an exhausting episode to get through as well too. So I will keep you all posted through ModChat on what might be going on with this. Uh, I will say if you are using SXOS, uh, <laughs> I don't know how much longer you'll be able to use it for. Uh, just because there's going to be more updates that are going to come out. You know what, I, I'm just going to even put this out there. If Nintendo at this point, because this is going through, because development on SXOS has probably ceased, Nintendo can put out an 11.0.0 update that completely just borks everything for modified systems. And I'm sure Atmosphere will get updated, but if there's no development on SXOS, tough luck. So it looks like at this point here, I think beta 3.0.5 is going to be most likely the last version of SXOS we'll see, and the highest firmware you'll be able to run it on will most likely be 10.2.0 on the Nintendo Switch. I think that's what we're looking at. I've said a lot, but I don't have that much else to say. I really want to know your thoughts on this. And for this, uh, let's go ahead and we're still going to use a keyword here, all right? We're, we're still going to use a keyword. How about, hmm, how about USB? How about that? I, I had to think of something that might be kind of related to this, but kind of not, but I, I'm not sure how many comments would just organically use it here. But if you were use the word USB in your comment here on the YouTube uploads, if you're listening to this, come over to the Mr. Mario 2011 channel, leave a comment with the word USB, and I'll know you made it to the end of this episode. But please let me know what you all think of this, because, um, yeah, I just want to know. <laughs> Anyways, this is Mr. Mario signing off. Thank you all for listening and watching, everyone, and until next time.